Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Sathya Sam here. Welcome to Unleash the Man Within. I'm so glad you guys are here. And wow, I'm so excited to share this interview today with my wife, Shaloma Sam, uh, who has really uh, just quietly supported me behind the scenes. Uh, she prays for you guys. She prays for our listeners, uh, our Instagram followers, our mailing list. She prays for our clients. Uh, she she does so much support in a lot of ways. And uh, we even talked a little bit about how she's, she's done some advising for me with the business and the growth. And um, today, we finally get a chance to hear from her real time. And so I'm really excited. This uh, this is something that we've been you know talking about for a little while, and we finally pulled the trigger on it. Uh, this is a robust conversation. So we, and, and it is partially interview. I ask her some questions, and it's partially conversation. Um, and so we talk about uh, a little bit about like the early years of our relationship and all the crap that we went through, for lack of a better word. And you guys have heard a lot of the stories through my mouth, but I wanted you to hear it from hers because obviously she has a different angle. And so, uh, so we went through some of that. We talked a little bit about just what it's like for someone to be married to someone whose struggle with pornography is so public and, and how she processes that, how she's handled it. We talked about trauma. Uh, we talked about some of the staples that we've had in our married life so far that have really helped us. And we talked a little bit at the end about, you know, just some recommendations and best practices for uh, couples who are working through this or for guys who haven't told their wives yet, for wives who are maybe finding out about information for the first time regarding a porn addiction. So we covered the whole gamut. You guys are going to learn a ton from this, and it is a little bit more relaxed and conversational, so it was really fun as well. So uh, without further ado, here's my interview with my wife, Shaloma. So here's the million-dollar question. How are men like us who work hard, have good motives, and a God-given purpose supposed to fulfill the calling on our lives and the dreams in our hearts, all while establishing sexual integrity, thriving relationships, and a meaningful connection with God? That is the question. And this podcast will give you the answers. My name is Sathya Sam. Welcome to Unleash the Man Within. All right. Well, we've been waiting a long time for this one. And here I am sitting down with my wife. We cannot keep a straight face. <laughs> what, what are you laughing at? I don't know. I just feel nervous. Yeah. Well, don't worry. We'll uh, we'll ease into it. But guys, this is my wife, <laughs> Shaloma, whom I've talked about so many times, and she's finally on the podcast. So welcome to the podcast, babe. Thank you. <laughs> uh, so we are gonna we're gonna talk about a few different things today, but I think as a little bit of background, the audience might like to know who you are from your perspective, because they know who you are from my perspective, because I always reference you and talk about you. But um, tell us a little bit about who are you, where are you from, how did you end up here? Okay, um, well, first of all, I'm nervous because I usually sing in a public forum, but I don't always talk in a public forum, so I do feel like a bit more nervous talking for some reason. So anyways, if you got me to sing for this entire podcast, it would be totally fine. <laughs> uh, so my name is Shaloma. Um, I was born and raised in Kingston, Jamaica, and lived there for 18 years, and then moved to Canada, Toronto, Canada, uh, when I was 18, and actually that's obviously where I met Sathya, was in Toronto at a church, um, local church there, and um, and yeah, and basically uh, lived life there until Sathya and I got married, and then moved to 
where we are now in the Niagara region. Um, and a little bit more about me, I guess, would be I, as I mentioned, like to sing. So that's something that I basically did as soon as I um, could talk, probably. <laughs> um, and to the point of like annoying my brothers. Um, and so, yeah, I, I sang for, I mean, probably nine years, maybe 10 years. I mean, maybe on and off pretty much um, at my the local church that we were at in Toronto. Um, and then also did some event singing. And that's what I still currently do is event singing. Um, and I still sing at churches. Uh, I'm currently taking a break right now. But yes. Um, and then I also recorded my first um, EP, which is yeah, really cool. Uh, this was it this year? Oh, yeah. At the time oh. this comes out, it's it's last year, I think, technically. But yeah, oh, yeah, within yeah, the past year. Yeah. 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 Uh, 2022 which is just insane because that was a long time coming, a very big dream. Yeah. Um, and many obstacles that came, why it it took, you know, took a while for it to actually happen, but it did, um, which I'm very proud of it. Um, and hopefully we can release many more in the future. Absolutely. Um, and yeah, and then I also do some nannying part-time and I am Sathya's number one advisor for the company. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we laugh, but that's actually pretty true. I run, a, I run a lot of stuff by you, and you've made a couple really good decisions, or you've helped me make a couple really good decisions for the business. So that's actually pretty true. <laughs> um, but yeah, and then I also just, you know, do some other behind-the-scenes stuff. Yeah. Like praying for um, the team and for clients. and yes. Just basically try to help Sathya's days go as smoothly as possible. Yeah, you're very supportive. So um, you mentioned some obstacles that you encountered to record the album. And we could do a whole other interview probably on that statement alone. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> but I know one of the big obstacles we ran into was just our engagement. Uh, that's something that I've shared about quite a bit on the podcast. So some listeners might know it, but we have lots of new listeners that have joined in lately that may not um so what when you when you look back on that period of engagement what for you what obstacles are you talking about specifically i know there were some other obstacles beyond just our engagement period but um what were some of the big obstacles for you because i think uh i think it'd be just just be interesting to hear your side of the equation so uh like during our engagement when um i guess when i got really sick talking about that yeah okay so basically um well whatever i mean there there were a bunch that, yeah. that would be the, yeah. lead, the leading one but it's yeah true. there was there was a lot oh my gosh that's why i had to ask because yeah there was unfortunately a lot of uh because i because i actually thought you might have said one of the other ones as like the major one but yeah well anyway. I'll, I'll 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 probably just do it in sequence of, t- of like the sure. timeline yeah that makes more sense to me okay okay so yeah, so Sathya and I got engaged um, in, what, 2018? Yeah, uh, January, January 2018. Um, I was just finishing up at um, a ministry school and, um, you know, my plan was basically to get a job and, well, ta- I was going to take two weeks off and then get a job or look for a job. Yeah. Um, and during those two weeks, um, basically... My body just decided to completely shut down. Um, I 
yeah, I was bedridden for, you know, about 16 hours a day. Um, I would basically get up, take a shower, go back to bed, make breakfast, go back to bed and like spend my days just like lying on a co- on the couch. Um, I mean, in the midst of it, I definitely tried my best to do things that would be beneficial for my health, Yeah. Um, which we could get into if we wanted um, and for my, my spirit as well. And that's what got me through. That's, again, why we could talk about it in a whole other po- podcast interview. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, but, yeah, and so that made for very interesting date nights. Very, <laughs> just like... A lot of movie watching. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. A lot of uh, date nights at home, which we still do to this day. Like, well, that's our probably our favorite thing is just to chill. Yeah, it's true. To have, get takeout and watch a movie. Um, and, yeah, and so, like... It was definitely just not what I had envisioned for being engaged, all the excitement that you expect. Um, and it was just a really, really difficult time personally because, um, yeah, here I was, this really strong, you know, capable, brave, just very, I don't know how to describe it, but I was going places, you know, like I was doing so well, even with like music stuff and tons of opportunities. Yeah. I was getting lots of opportunities and, you know, I was literally like about to start, you know, making plans for my album. And this was like, you know, this is several years ago. So it, it just feels crazy how long ago it was actually. Yeah. But yeah. And so like, you know, there were all these desires and plans and hopes and dreams and then you know, and then in just one second, it was gone. Um, and I had no choice but to slow down. And that was probably a big thing, actually, was my life was very busy and had a lot going on. Yeah. Um, also had a lot of um, just things from my childhood um, that I guess you could say were traumatic, to say the least. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Um, so just before you get into that. Um, one, one thing that, that we hear a lot, like even with our clients, especially, you know, Christian clients who grew up Christian is, you know, you're not supposed to have sex before marriage and, uh, obviously you don't watch pornography. The lines are always pretty clear. Um, you and I both had, we're not perfect in that area before we met each other, but then, uh, I still even remember the conversation, you know, when we agreed to be boyfriend, girlfriend you were like super nervous because you're like, oh man, I actually feel like I don't, I don't even want to kiss while we're dating because uh, you really want to focus on getting to know the other person, whoever that was. You know, I just happened to be the next person once you made that decision. And meanwhile, I was just as nervous because I had the same conviction and I didn't know how you were going to receive it. And we had no idea that we both were on the same page. And so we, we honored that. We actually never, like, it wasn't even like, oh yeah, we did pretty good. Like, we actually honored that boundary. We didn't kiss at all while we were uh, while we were dating, and uh, a lot of people I think kind of get the idea in their head that if they follow the rules perfectly, quote unquote, then everything turns out perfectly on the other side. Like you get rewarded with the most incredible marriage, and sex is just going to be awesome for you and whatever. And then you have Christian couples who have you know they experience vaginismus or um, or or whatever they experience some difficulties with sex and. They're like, what the heck? We did it correctly. And so I guess I was just curious because um, you're kind of describing the story and an engagement was really hard for us. And you've just really scratched the surface with what you've explained. But um, did you ever have that sense of like, man, we're doing everything right. You're leading worship for God. You're writing mu- music and writing songs for him. 
I was a pastor at the time. So like, you know, we're God fearing people behind closed doors just as much as we are on stage. Did you ever have that thought of like, why, why are things not going my way when I've done the things I've done what I'm supposed to do? Kind of. Yeah. I mean, that's a good question. (laughs) I guess I, I guess I kind of like just felt, just kind of felt like, to be quite honest, I guess how I felt was just that I, I had already gone through so much in my life and I thought that I had already passed the tests. Yeah. Um, I had already, <laughs> I had already, you know, gone through those hurdles and, you know, and now, now I get to receive my gold medal yeah. kind of thing. So yeah, I guess yeah. in, in some ways, even doing, you know, the fact that I waited for a very long time, um, to, to have another boyfriend um and then you know and then we like were very honoring throughout our whole dating period didn't case like just the fact that even I did all of those things the right way um in in so much of my life I felt like I've I've done that um and then to still go through so many hurdles at times it definitely was discouraging yeah yeah so um I'm gonna I'm gonna just speed up the story a little bit um because I I know there's some other things that we want to talk about but the the culminating moment of our engagement was uh, was definitely what happened with Shefa, your brother. So can you give people a little bit of context? Because um, you're kind of talking about uh, you already had a difficult upbringing, you know, before you encountered some of these trials in our engagement. What exactly are you talking about? Yeah, so, um, yeah, as I mentioned earlier in the conversation, um, I, I guess, you know, went through some traumatic stuff in my childhood. Um I had a brother who suffered from severe um, schizophrenia and it caused our household to unfortunately not feel very safe at times Um, and it was pretty hostile. Um, We had very loving parents and um, in those regards very great family but um, unfortunately the situation with my brother made it very difficult and um, anyways so there was already that to deal with. Um, and then unfortunately, I guess, when was it? 20, uh, 2019, I think it was uh, April, um, he passed away. And thankfully it wasn't, um, you know, self-inflicted because that's unfortunately something that we definitely thought could happen. Yeah. Um, but he uh, just had severe health challenges that unfortunately just kept getting worse and yeah 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 and I think for us we were we were just about like ready to set a date to get married because we had delayed that for so long and you know finally reaching that place where things were feeling a bit more stable again and then um, that was a pretty big disruptor so I wanted to paint all that just I I think it's helpful for the audience to hear it from your side because I've shared these parts of the story before if people have read the book, they've heard the story there. Um, but, you know, that was like kind of crazy what we went through. And um, I, I want people to just get it through their heads as well that, you know, you can do everything right. And sometimes things still go wrong, you know, that are beyond your control. And, and um, that's a real challenge. So probably the question that a lot of people I would think are wondering in conjunction with uh, our engagement timeline is also when I started Deep Clean. And is when I start to feel this call to help people with porn addiction and venture out a little bit more into this area. 
And this was not something that was on the radar. It's not like when we met and we had the conversation about our right. clients in life. Yeah. We weren't, I wasn't talking about getting or helping other people get free of porn addiction. And I wasn't even really talking about doing business kind of related things. No, you were planning on being a pastor. Yeah, that was the extent of it at that point. So what was it like for you when I started talking about, hey, I think I might like do some coaching on the side, helping guys get free of porn? <laughs> oh my gosh. This is kind of funny because, well, it didn't start off with that. It started off with you saying that you're interested in business yes. and that you're trying to figure out like, well, you know, I don't know what to do. I'm trying to figure it out. And I remember being so like feeling so anxious on the inside Yeah. because I know that business can be very like up and down. And Yeah. Your dad, your dad's an entrepreneur. So yeah. And I saw just, it firsthand. Yeah. I saw firsthand that like business sometimes like it has really good one year and then maybe not so good another year or different seasons. So I was just like. Hey, I didn't sign up to <laughs> be with a businessman, um, you know, and so it was, I didn't tell him this. I kept this all to myself um, and kind of worked through it by myself with God because I saw how excited he was and I didn't want to, you know, um, I guess crush his spirit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, eventually, um, especially I think as he kind of honed into more what he wanted to do, I just felt a lot of peace about it and just was just ready to support him and yeah it it definitely I didn't feel like any ways about it I was very like happy that you found something that was like super connected to your story and to your passion and I was excited that you could get like help other guys get free yeah yeah, yeah you've been very supportive since day one and I obviously didn't know you had some of those qualms about it um, <laughs> but even when you did you still you never showed it you gave me the support I needed and I needed a ton of it, you know, first starting out. It was a lot of work and oh, yeah. struggling with my confidence and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And you were going through a lot of transition at the time, like yeah. leaving an old job, moving to a new city. Yeah. It was just a lot of Some change, hard days. So. Yeah. So, okay. Um, I, we're fortunate that pornography has never been a part of our marriage, but we did have a conversation about it. I think most dating couples, you know, have that conversation at some point. Because the reality is most guys have had that struggle and a lot of girls have had that struggle too. What was it like for you when, when you did hear that I had struggled with pornography in the past? Um, I mean, yeah, what, what, was, what was going through your head when, when I'm starting to share with you that I've had this problem? To be honest, it really didn't bother me. Um, I think especially because I had my own struggle when I was a teenager. Yeah. Um, with porn and masturbation and um, I know how all-consuming it can be I know how it can just eat you up and um, so yeah I just I didn't feel I had no judgments no issues I mean I think if it was something that was currently like still a problem then that would have been a different conversation yeah um, but at the same time I feel like because I understand like why people do it I would probably I, I would hope that I would have still shown compassion, but yeah, I wasn't, I definitely wasn't bothered at all. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, which is pretty amazing. And I think pretty fortunate. I do think, um, we're, we're lucky and, and not everybody has the situation and I've already kind of said it, but like, it is one thing when you talk about it, like it's a thing of the past, right? Like it's, it's just very different than if it was a present day issue. But I guess I'm wondering, have you ever had this fear that I might relapse or thought like, oh, well, I wonder what would happen if he did. Because you've had your share of, of friends who have come to you, you know, because their spouses have struggled in this area. Like, 
it's definitely around us. You know what I mean? And I mean, I've, I've obviously I've put in the work, um, but you know, I'm I'm an imperfect human as well. Has that ever crossed your mind? A hundred percent. Yeah, I think I think it's normal. Like I think I would be lying if I didn't um, have that fear because it was something that was so part of your life, you know, for yeah, a long time. Yeah, for I guess half of your life. No, um, well, most of your like from your teenagers to your adulthood most so, of my adult life yeah. exactly so it was very a part of like your whole your habits and your day-to-day living so obviously you've gone a long ways like it's been almost what seven years right yeah like that's such a long time so um i don't expect it i don't expect it to happen i have confidence that it won't happen yeah but there definitely is like this small one percent in my brain that is like what if you know like yeah what if like what if Sathya just goes like going through like a really bad season you know experiences depression like people go through hard stuff and it makes them turn yeah back to like some of their devices like some for some people's alcohol food you know whatever and yeah. you know on, for you in that time of your life it was pornography so it's so yeah there's definitely that fear of like oh like what if what if that were to happen um, I believe you have the strength and the character to at least communicate with me prior to that becoming a thing. Yeah. And so that I can help you for it to not become a thing. Yes. So that you can get help or whatever it is that you might need. But yeah. Oh, that's so sweet. <laughs> yeah. And we, we actually went through this or I, I learned this while we were dating because there was one day, I mean, when you and I started dating i had only been free of pornography for less than a year i think uh from when it was official maybe our first date was still within that first year and so you know it it was more or less out of my life but there were still remnants of it and i do remember one day in particular where you know i was really struggling uh feeling tempted and i don't know stressful day at work or something and we had date night and I was just thinking, man, we've agreed, like, we're not even supposed to be kissing right now. And so I know what happens when I get in this state. And, you know, if I'm not going to watch porn, like, the urges are there. And I don't trust myself if you and I are just alone in the apartment. And so I remember I grabbed you before we got out of the car when we got to my place. And I just told you, I'm feeling super tempted. I, I just, I, it must have been the Holy Spirit that just quickly prompted me, like, tell her, you know, you dummy, like, don't keep it quiet. (laughs) And so I told you and not knowing how you were going to respond, I was kind of afraid that you were going to be like, what, you know, like, what do you mean? And that it was going to kind of bring up all these alarm bells. Do you remember how you responded? I I think I I think I was pretty calm, right? You were super calm. Yeah. And you were just like, okay, thanks for letting me know, (laughs) you know, like super chill. And I think I remember you saying something like, I'll pick up the slack tonight or I'll make sure nothing happens. Yeah, and I, to be honest, I think I just, I really appreciated your vulnerability. Yeah. Because, I don't know, I just, I would hate for you to suffer in silence and just like in your little corner of suffering, I guess, and just, you know, and that I think that would put you at a disadvantage and make you even more vulnerable if you had kept it to yourself. Yeah. Um, even though it takes a lot of courage to tell me, but yep. yeah, I really, really appreciated it. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, that was that was where I it's a, it's a saying. I actually get quoted for this quite a bit now, but for saying I'd rather confess a temptation than confess a mistake. That was honestly where I learned it. And you gave me such a good experience with it. 
Um, so that's what kind of, you know, solidified like, oh, that thing, that vulnerability thing does actually work, you know? Wow. So really I, well, get, I mean, I can't the quote, get, but <laughs> I should get the credit for that. <laughs> Wait, uh, where's my little royalties? Well, when I get royalties, I'll let you know, <laughs> but no, it's, it's true. You've been a huge part of it. Um, in, in so many ways, like that would, that would be a great example. Uh, and obviously you've shown me a lot of support over the years as well. Um, kind of, I guess, I guess sort of deviating a little bit, but the same line of questioning. What is it like to be married to somebody whose struggle, especially with something as, I would say, embarrassing or as taboo as porn addiction, what's it like to be married to somebody whose struggle is so public? And, you know, like I've shared on national television here, some pretty big podcasts, you know, thousands of followers on Instagram, a big mailing list, and... Uh, you know, like, like we, we, we have some reach. We're not like, we're not blowing anyone's minds, but I'm, I'm, I'm blown personally. I'm blown away. Same here. Yeah. Like it's amazing. Um, but obviously you're forever kind of wrapped in that story, regardless of whether or not your face is on the covers. What, uh, what's it like? <laughs> Honestly, like it doesn't really bother me. Okay. And I know it just sounds so like such a plain answer, but yeah, it doesn't. I feel no ways about it. Um, if anything, I just feel really proud of you. <laughs> like, yeah, I don't know. I don't. Maybe some people expect me to feel like weird or embarrassed or I don't know. But I just don't feel that way at all. Um, and I don't know. I just kind of. It's it's really cool, actually. I think it's really cool. Yeah. That you get to um, talk to so many people about what you've been through and that. Like so many people have gotten, um, you know, freedom because of you. And I think that to me is the biggest like blessing. And I wanted to say side note um, that I was actually like pleasantly surprised when you told me that you didn't, um, that you don't watch porn anymore. Like when we were dating. Right. Like you were expecting me to say that I still struggle. I don't know. Like, I guess I. I, I was just so accustomed to, like, the culture of young men, like, struggling with porn. Yeah. And obviously not just men, because women, like, I clearly just talked about how I had a struggle. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, I was, like, I was, like, I was relieved. Just because I think, yeah, it, it's something that I think sometimes, I don't know if all women expect it, but I know that I definitely was, like, okay, this might actually be a thing. I, have, I better be prepared for it kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. That might sound kind of No, I think that's... I weird. think most women would agree with that because it's... um, It is so commonplace and common practice and it's probably unrealistic to think that, that... To expect your partner to be free. Certainly, like, you should hope for it, but as far as it being commonplace, that would be a stretch. Um, I wanted to ask you something else. Like, what did your parents say when they found out that, you know, I don't, we weren't married at the time. What did they think when they heard that, like, you know, your, your fiance or boyfriend, I, I think it was boyfriend actually is getting into this stuff. And I'm, there, there's some context to this question because I had a chance to preach at, uh, at our church, probably like a year into us being together, something like that. And I remember I was preparing that message and the Holy Spirit told me, you need to share about your struggle with pornography, which I was very surprised by because I had only been clean for maybe a year, year and a bit. And it felt early to me, but I was happy to do it. Obviously, if God tells you to do something, you do it. 
uh, unbeknownst to me, you were telling your parents and your family like, hey, Cynthia's speaking and like you guys should all come. Uh, which I thought when I heard that, I was like, oh, well, that's fine because they're not actually going to come anyway. You know, like I had that initial scare and then I was like, oh, but they won't come. It's a Friday night and they're busy and whatever because I think it was just a Friday night service that I spoke at. And uh, and then to my chagrin, they all decided to come. Chagrin? Yeah. What is that word? <laughs> <laughs> Disappointment? Sorry. I just thought to say. <laughs> so they, they all agreed that they're going to come and I was like... Oh my gosh, like I'm not just sharing about a relatively fresh struggle in front of my church, you know, which was already pretty bold for me, but now I have to share in front of your parents who ideally I was impressing and not, you know, raising questions about my storied past. Did you have any, I don't know, did you get any flack from them or was there ever anything? No. No. Okay. No, nothing. Okay, fair enough. I mean, I don't know. I think they, I think they were, they liked your preaching like they were just like oh that's that's amazing like yeah i felt felt proud of you yeah yeah and i'm sure if they heard that part of your story i'm sure they they didn't to say anything to me about it yeah but i would imagine them not having any bad feelings about it at all no for sure no and your parents would not be like uh judgmental or scared about it i'm just you know it's one thing to be like oh that's cool there's like there's a christian guy doing his his thing it's another thing to be like oh that's my future son-in-law right. talking about pornography yeah no they didn't feel yeah anyways about it so let's switch gears a little bit because you and i have been married now for three and a half years and obviously still very new to this but because we've had a i would say we had a really tumultuous engagement with all your health stuff shefa's passing shefa was the uh the fifth relative that we buried during our engagement and granted the other ones were primarily grandparents who were aging but still a lot of grief and a lot of loss marriage has been a lot easier for us so far and again we're early on and i'm sure we'll reach our our share of challenges but i feel like the challenges we face for the most part have been minor compared to what we dealt with when we were engaged yeah just normal like growing pains i guess yeah learning to share a bed with somebody or a house yeah especially a bed with you yeah well i don't know <laughs> I don't know what you're talking he's about. A, my, my bed he's a etiquette squirmer. is fine. He is a he moves around in the bed. <laughs> well, yeah, that's what you do when you sleep. No, no, normal people just you know gently roll over from side to side. I wouldn't know. I'm I'm busy sleeping. Sophia is like he's like a I don't know like maybe I don't use the word bulldozer but that's the word coming to mind. <laughs> he's just I don't know a bit more aggressive in the way he like turns over and he like i don't know, I don't know. you say I that wish like you could you say it like my... it's a conscious choice i don't, i have very little aggression in my personality and there's been a couple of times where you hit me in the face oh wow you can feel your jamaican coming out this is we have struck a nerve ladies and gentlemen <laughs> <laughs> um i was gonna ask you something but i've forgotten now so Sorry. no that's why i was just joking so we're yeah we're early marriage but i um oh yeah this is what i was saying engagement our difficult engagement really has has given us like a nice i don't know launch into marriage i would say yeah. yeah definitely like i think gave us the tools on how to deal with like conflict for sure but it also i think i don't know i just think when you go through some of the stuff we went through it's just like everything else feels a lot easier yeah <laughs> because if you make it through that stuff yeah together then like then yeah you can 
get through anything, I guess. Yeah, it's well, also there's cheesy, but no, well, there's a bonding thing that happens, right? They talk about like war veterans, like in the trenches together, and that kind of bond you form when you go through traumatic experiences together is yeah. very, very special. And we're fortunate that you know we formed a bond that's going to last us the rest of our lives now. Yeah, I think on the other side, we've also done some things in our marriage that you know even some of our friends are like, "Why do you care about that?" or "Why do you do yeah, that stuff?" That's true, yeah. But I think for us, we're like, this is actually the secret sauce of keeping a marriage going. As as far as we know, like, we're, what do we know? We're three years in, but we are certainly not just riding the fumes of infatuation or those first years of marriage high. Like, there was nothing like that for us because um, there were so many challenges and, and your health was still not great when we got married, you know, like, it wasn't like that season was buried in the past. And it was a distant memory. You're still grieving Shefa's loss. We got married four months after he passed. Your health was still like a little bit of a question mark and your energy was yeah. pretty low. You weren't able to work. And um, and so anyways, I, I wanted to talk a little bit about it. And one of the things that we haven't, we don't really share this with a lot of people, um, although there are some people in our lives who know about it because we still have that very famous conversation with Gordon and Kathy who were our, uh, excuse me, our marriage officiants. And um, marriage like, Premarital yeah, they did all the premarital counseling, and we had a conversation about you standing up to me, oh, and yeah. um, and this is a really <laughs> uh, uh, this is where like some of the guys are probably going to cringe as we get into this, but um, you, I'll, I'll try to preface it, and then you can kind of comment. So basically, I observed this dynamic in our relationship, which was that when we got into any kind of disagreement not even an argument, but just you saw things one way, I saw them another, or I wanted one thing and you wanted something else you would very quickly cave. And I think a lot of guys in that position would probably, maybe would take advantage of it because it's, you just, you can get your way and it's great. And I knew that for me, for us to have the kind of relationship that I wanted with you, because we were married or we were engaged now and getting ready to be married. I knew that we, we needed, we needed a little bit more equity in the relationship or equality. Not a little bit more like, Full, full equity, a, yeah. a lot more, yeah. Because you really had this thing of like, oh, if that's what the guy wants, then it's not worth the fight. Like, he'll just get it anyway kind of thing. And I was the one who actually was like, no, you need to stand up to me. Like, well, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say specifically, and I don't know if I will ever forget this moment. And this is for those of you who don't get to see this side of Sophia, which is like 99.9% of people don't get to see this because this is obviously between husband and wife. Although we weren't, we were engaged, I think at the time when yeah. this happened. Between but, fiance and fiance. Yeah. <laughs> we were talking, I forget. I think, I don't know what we were talking about. Um, and I kind of just like, I guess, yeah, I just relented. I was just like in my head, like, oh, you know, I don't really want to put up a fuss. And most of it was a certain, like surrounded by not wanting to be a burden and not wanting to, um stir things up create like don't want him to get angry don't want him to get upset um you know just keep the peace yeah and being like a very high people pleaser um what was i talking about so talking about <laughs> you learning or that conversation about you standing up to me yeah and yeah and so then um sorry this is like very common dynamic in our it's relationship classic, yeah <laughs> forget half the things i'm talking about um yeah and so then um I'll never forget that moment. Oh my also, God. I just have to point out, you said I'll never forget, and then you literally forgot about it <laughs> while you are talking about it. Okay, I mean, I'll never forget for the rest of my life. <laughs> I might forget in a conversation, but I won't forget for the rest of my life. Um, 
yeah, I will never forget for the rest of my life <laughs> the look that you had on your face with tears in your eyes when you said, I look forward to the day when you'll be able to stand up to me. Oh my gosh. And it, like just, oh, just like talking about it right now, it just, it gets me emotional because I never in my wildest dreams imagined having a man tell me that never in my wildest dreams um and that was just like so um liberating to hear those words come out of his mouth yeah um and that was the beginning of something that pretty much has begun to change my life and change the way that i think about myself the way that i interact with others him, him giving me that permission to stand up for myself was not just for standing up to him, but it was just knowing my worth and my value. Yeah. And just knowing that, like, yeah, that my voice matters. Yeah. And I, I think that's, like, that's the miracle of marriage, quote-unquote. It's, like, it's two whole people that come together and form one, become one. And it didn't feel that way sometimes in those moments. And I think, like I said, I think it'd be, it would have been very easy to take advantage of that. Um, and I didn't really think what I was doing with, was anything special until Kathy was like, well, be careful what you wish for. Like, don't create a monster, you know? And she, she was joking, but she was kind of also poking at yeah. it a little bit, right? She, she was like, you sure you want to do that? Right. Like, <laughs> you sure you want her to stand up to you? You know, you don't know what you're going to create in the process. And I... You know, whether she was being serious or not, I don't know. But I know for me, I was like, no, this is what I want. You know, I want someone who can stand up to me because without that, our marriage is going to be completely dysfunctional. Um, so anyways. And I, are you happy? Uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. And you're, I mean, you're anything but a monster about it. But it does feel like, I, I would say our relationship feels a lot more balanced. Like, I feel like I can lead. But I don't feel I don't I don't feel like you like you're ever trying to compete to lead. Like I think we support each other well, and you lead as well. Like it's not it's not this like domineering thing. Like there's yeah, some areas exactly, where you yeah. take ownership and you take charge. But I definitely feel like maybe to use better language, like I feel like I'm still the head of the home. Yeah. And at the same time, I you're not like super passive and submissive um, the way you would have been before. And so I, anyways, I just want people to hear that that story. We don't share that a lot. But I think uh, it probably needs to get out a little bit more if I'm being honest, because this is how you actually have a healthy relationship. Like two people who have a sense of identity, who can defend their rights, quote unquote, or defend their stance in, you know, any kind of interaction. That's when really healthy relationships start to form. Yeah. And, um, and I think something that you didn't mention as well, but you've obviously voiced to me, um, is that you, you love that you love my opinions and you love, um, when I like, don't just do something just to kind of make you happy. Like want me to just tell you what you want, what, what I want, sorry, tell you what you want to hear. Yeah. Because I used to do that Yes. because I didn't want to disappoint you. So then I would say, Oh yeah, this is, I'm going to do this. Even if I knew I didn't have the time or didn't have the energy or whatever, I would yeah. just say, yeah, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do this and whatever. And then it wouldn't happen because, but I, I would tell you that I'm going to do it just because I knew it would make you happy. Yeah. And I think it's something a lot of like people who are chronic people pleasers do. 
um, without realizing actually your partner just wants you to um, just be honest. And if you're tired, just say, hey, actually, I don't think it's going to happen tonight. Yeah. Kind of thing. Or I don't think, you know, whatever. Yeah, for sure. Well, yeah, even with sex, that's a really interesting thing. Yeah, because, that's true. Because you... Um, Oh, I thought that's actually what you were... That's not what I was referring to, but... Not going to happen today. I mean, I'm not going to lie. When I said it, I was like, oh, that could be taken. (laughs) Like, sexually. Well, even sex was an interesting thing, because I I think, again, like, this is like a... Hopefully my mom's not listening to this. I'm joking. (laughs) Well, when you you don't... When you don't have that, that framework for standing up for yourself, like, what I observed you doing is you were starting to test the waters a bit, and then I think sex to you felt like the one thing where you're like... Oh, but I still can't say no there. Yeah. And I still remember the first time you you said no, you were like, oh, I'm super tired. And I was like, oh, okay, no problem, you know? Yeah. It's just like getting those experiences of like, oh, it is okay for me to say no, even in this area. Oh, yeah. That um, was also another, another surprise of how just chill you were about that. Yeah. Yeah, because again, like what fun is any interaction or any relationship if that person doesn't have the agency to say no, right? It's, it's got to be part of it. Um, okay, switching gears uh, a little bit. So date nights was another thing I wanted to bring up because you and I have been borderline religious about our date nights for the duration of our relationship, really since we were dating. Um, a little bit hit and miss because when we first started dating, I was long distance or I was you know an hour and a half away. But certainly since we've been in the same city, yeah. You know, the last five years, I guess it is. Well, yeah. I mean, we've been dating for... We dated six years ago, but... Yeah, the last five years. Five years, years, yeah, because you moved to Toronto, yeah. Yeah, so we've done date night every week, pretty much. And, you know, we have some friends who are like, oh, that's that's good for you guys. You know, like, if that works for you, that's cool. It's been interesting because I kind of proceeded that way as well. I was like, oh, yeah, we're both quality time people. Like, that is, I think, our top ranking love languages for both of us. So it kind of makes sense that date night would be so valuable. But then it was interesting. We were at a resort in Jamaica last year. Remember we were talking to that couple from Rhode Island or from Maine? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, they were just celebrating 20 years being married. They they were very clearly in love with each other. Yeah. And not in like an even an ooey-gooey way, but you just saw the way they spoke about each other and to each other. And it, it was just like it was. they really had a strong marriage. You could kind of see. Yeah. And we probably spoke with them for like, I don't know, 45 minutes in the pool, right? And so they're talking about their kids and their kids have done all these great things, you know, and, and they were talking about their marriage and all the stuff they've been through and how they made it through. And so, so we asked them like, so what's, you know, what's your top tip or what's the thing that you'd recommend to having a healthy marriage if we wanted our marriage to look like yours, you know, 20 years from now. And they're like, oh, that's easy. A weekly date night. You know, like they didn't even think twice about it. And we've had that happen a couple times where, you know, you ask couples for sort of their what's their top piece of advice? And we've gotten it, you know, several different times now where it's like, okay, I don't think this is actually just like an individual thing where like this works for our relationship. It's becoming really obvious that this is actually like some secret sauce, you know, for a long lasting marriage. Why is it valuable to you? I I guess I I think I've talked about in the podcast and I can maybe share my side of it, but while I got you here, why do you like, (laughs) why do you like the weekly date night? And why do you think it adds so much value to our marriage? Um, I mean, obviously, yeah, we mentioned that, like, both of us love quality time. Um, but also, I think it's just the fact that when you set aside a specific time to get quality time together, you're guaranteed that time. I mean, obviously, you know, things happen, whatever. Um, 
you know, God forbid. But the the point is, is that you are guaranteed every single week at that specific day on, on that time to get time together, right? Yeah. And so like, especially once you get married and then once you have kids, which we don't have kids yet, but, you know, I'm, I know it will come into play. And I know things are different once you have kids, but um, yeah, that when things are super busy, when life is hectic and you, you might even like just be longing to get that time with the other person, you can like look to that day and be like, okay, like I know we're going to get time, like good time together. So, you know, like I just look forward to that kind of thing, like when yeah. things are busy. Yeah. Um. So it just kind of gives me something to look forward to specifically with you. And it just means that it's more intentional. And I think it's also, it just means that like, we are for sure going to have it yeah. rather than like, I think sometimes if it was just like on the whim, deciding like, oh, you want to do something or on the whim deciding, oh, what day of what, what day do you want to have date night this week? And then it turns out we all, we made plans for the whole week with, with friends yeah, or like whatever. And then it doesn't happen or there's just different circumstances. So I just like the fact that there's a set date. Because then it means it's going to happen. Yeah. Yep. That makes a lot of sense. No matter what. Well, and I think as well, like of the five love languages, quality time is the hardest thing to go without in a romantic relationship. Like, I just think, I just think you have to get that time together. And you're right. The consistency of it becomes super reliable, uh, super reliable and, and really valuable. And I mean, we've already talked about like when we do have kids, like, sure, we're not going to get, you know, four hours out, you know, painting the town red. Yeah. Uh, especially in those early days but uh we have talked about like well you know if the kid was down for a nap we could drop them off at my parents place and we could at least go hang out for 30 minutes or whatever it is you know like or even if they're taking a nap at home and we just like hang out watch a movie or something exactly there's tons of ways to do it right and i think um that's the one thing that you and i are starting to get some clarity on in our marriage is like these are the things that we really value these are the things that like we're gonna like put a stake in the ground and say we're making this happen it does it's just a matter of how. Yeah. And I've really, I've really enjoyed that. You know, I think that's like, Me too. that's a fun part about being married and, and building a family. That's kind of what it feels like we're doing, even though we don't have kids, is we're starting to create a culture and some traditions and some rhythms that we know are going to serve us long term. Yeah. And like, I guess something I wanted to say was that, you know, some people like me are more spontaneous yeah. And so some people, the thought of having like a set date and time every week probably just feels too rigid for them. Um, and what I would say to that is like, okay, maybe you could have one date night. That's well, I'm not telling you how to live your life, but I guess what I, what I do and what we do that helps me because I am more spontaneous is we have the set date night and that's just like a, you know, a pillar and we know it's going to happen. So, you know, it's not spontaneous, but it's it's set in stone and it helps me to feel like, okay, cool, it's going to happen. Yeah. But then on the weekend, we make sure that like we do something. And so that is the more spontaneous thing where it's like, oh, yeah. hey, what do you want to do today? Or, you know, what's, you know, I don't know. It's just like a nice way to kind of balance out like the more strict like, oh, yeah, we're having it on this day versus just like kind of seeing how it goes. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and, and there is kind of an embedded lesson there, which is that, like, the best place for spontaneity is within the confines of structure. Like, you just can't be overly structured, but, I mean, even just think, like, even that's a structure, right? It's like, yeah, Wednesday's day night, and usually on the weekends, we know we're going to get some time together. We just don't know what it looks like, but it is 
consistent, like every weekend. So there's a structure there. And then, you know, it gives way for spontaneity. So anyway, I, I just thought that'd be worth mentioning. Um, one last question for you is, you know, when you when you look to the future, um, you have a lot more a lot more women, especially that are reaching out to you now that are like, hey, you know, my husband's really struggling with whatever. And sometimes they're just confiding in you because you're a trusted friend. It has literally nothing to do with the fact that I'm doing this kind of work. And sometimes there's a tie-in piece there as well. And they're trying to get some insights or, you know, how did you handle it or whatever. Right. So I guess I'm wondering if you could give a word of wisdom to the men who are listening. Uh, maybe there's some men who, you know, haven't even told their wives yet. Uh, maybe there's some men who who have, but they're struggling and uh, the marriage is suffering and they don't know if it's going to make it through. What would you say to someone like that? And then I'd love for you to give a word to the women as well that are listening who, you know, maybe they suspect that their husbands... Uh, actually, you know what? Before I go into that, what would you say to the men? Let's start there. To the men, I would say that it's always best to be vulnerable. Yeah. To be open and honest with your significant other. And whether you're married or not, that's I think that's like best practice, especially if you're married. Yeah. Um, because you made vows to that person. Um, so yeah, I would, I would just be open, be honest. If it helps to talk to, if you haven't talked to anyone about your struggle at all, I would start with talking to like a close friend or a pastor, if you're a Christian, um, just someone in your life who you can trust and just be very vulnerable with them. You know, don't try to hold back tears, like just be raw and real. So I would start by talking to to someone at, like in your life who you're close to, and then that way you kind of get the initial. I don't know. It does something like when you yeah. first share for the first time. It kind of it takes a lot of strength and bravery, and it kind of breaks off some of that initial shame. There's going to be another layer of shame to break through when you talk to your significant other. For sure. But it it helps to kind of start off by talking to someone else. Anyways, and then yeah talking to your spouse or your your girlfriend or whatever and just being honest with them and um it you don't necessarily have to go into like tons of detail about you know specifics but just tell them the general thing like hey this is my struggle this has been going on for such and such time yeah like i wanted to bring this to you i didn't want you to catch me yes um and like i just want you to know that like this actually has nothing to do with the way that I view you or our marriage or, really our, or our sex life. Yeah. This actually has to do more about me and the things I'm struggling with internally, the things I've gone through in childhood. Like there's so many things that you might not even be aware of what is causing you to be so like addicted to this thing. Yeah. But there are lots of things, which is why like, Obviously, people like Sathya have programs that help you get to, like, those root issues. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, just telling her straight up, ju- just to kind of, so she knows, gives her a little bit of peace, like, okay, it's not about me. Even though they're still, like, girls are still going to think it's about them. <laughs> of course. Like, you know, it's just the reality, like, girls will struggle to to separate that. But you telling her that will help her know and be reminded that like, okay, you know what? 
this is something that he's dealing with. I need to support him. Yeah. I need to, to, um, you know, go like, go through this with him, so to speak. And, and when you speak to her, like you guys, you'll be stronger for it. And you guys can walk through this together and you can invite God into it together. And like, yeah. you know, you won't be going through it alone anymore. Um, and hopefully your wife will be loving and understanding. And she, you know, the reality is though, some wives like might actually, you know, be upset. Some wives might feel hurt. Some wives might feel betrayed. Um, but I think you are far better off talking about it yeah. than not talking about it and then getting caught. Yeah. And regardless if you get caught or not, you are actually doing more damage to your marriage by not talking about it. Yeah. Because you're keeping something in the hidden places, in the dark places, and the, 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 the devil has a lot of foothold in people's lives when they have secret sin. Yeah. And so confessing it to God is very important, but you need to confess. The Bible says confess your sins to one another so that you might be healed. Like that's literally what the Bible says. Confess your sins one to another that you might be healed. So you can receive healing just through con- the confession of your sin. Yeah. And so that's what I would say. Like, honestly, if tomorrow Sathya, you know, told me that he fell into this you know ended up watching porn or whatever i would be really sad yeah i'd be really disappointed i would feel really hurt but i would feel more sad more hurt and more disappointed if i knew he was doing that behind my back without telling me 100 percent. and i would be so proud of him for coming to me yeah that's a good word yeah really really good what would you say to the woman who's on the receiving end of news like that or maybe it's not even that she's on the receiving end, but it's um, she just has a suspicion, you know, right. and and is afraid or um, is feeling some of that kind of mistrust or betrayal start to sink in already. What would you say to her? Okay. Well, firstly, I obviously have never actually been in this situation. Yes. So I just want to first say that first and foremost, that I don't want to pretend that I know how you feel if you're listening to this. If as a woman you're listening to this because I could say, oh yeah, you should do this and you should do that. But I feel like just need to kind of preface that, that like as of right now, I do not know what it feels like to go through that. And so, you know, your response is is valid and your response is what it is yeah. what i would hope that the way that i would respond and what i would encourage other women to respond is with tact with grace and with compassion i would hope for compassion because that's actually what they need yeah in those moments is yeah. com- they need compassion they need understanding they need love and just to know that like you still love them you still care you're not going anywhere you're here to support them you know and um and that you you're in it with him because his issue becomes your issue right when you get married if you're dating okay you know i could see how it might feel a bit different but this i'm i'm just gonna speak for married couples when you're married you're like his issue becomes your issue and so it's like, all right, come on, babe. Like, let's link arms. Let's go through this together. Almost like, like take like charge and yeah. and um, like fighting a battle together. Yeah. 
And if I had a struggle, I would hope that he it, he would do the same. It's not just him, you know. Yes, he ha- there's things he has to do on his own and he has to work through on his own. But ultimately, it's like a joint effort and a joint like partnership so that he knows that he's not alone in this. Um, because loneliness, like that feeling of being alone in it can make things even worse. But um, but yeah, so I would I would just go after it with a lot of grace and compassion. And at the same time, I would, yes, be honest, be vulnerable with how it makes you feel. Um, especially in the beginning, like I wouldn't want people to feel like they can't express how they actually feel and how it hurts and stuff. Yeah. Um, but I just, I just want to emphasize the compassion piece um, because I just know that like how much from just so many stories that we've heard over this last while of how much um how much fear a lot of men have in talking to their spouses yeah, yeah. um into to their wives um and so like yeah um and then if you're like suspecting like if you feel suspicious that your husband might be doing something honestly just have a conversation <laughs> like rather than just like even trying to catch him I feel like that that could even be more shameful for a man. Yeah. If you like wait till he's like alone, like on his laptop or whatever. Yeah. And then you like sneak up on I don't know how how I don't know how a, a woman would do that. Yeah. Or like checking his computer search history, even though I feel like I feel like I would probably do <laughs> I don't know how yeah. I would do it. Who knows, yeah. You know yeah, I, you, you you just don't know in those situations. Yeah. But yeah, I would I would have a conversation. It's good. Yeah, really good. And it, it's a good point, actually, which is that there's actually two ways that guys can confess. And one, the, the ideal way is that it's completely voluntary. You have initiated the conversation. You're making the decision. I'm going to tell her. But I guess the second way that you could confess is if you're confronted about it. If she asks you, just answer honestly. Yeah. Don't lie about it. Don't sugarcoat it. Oh, don't, my goodness. You know, don't. If, yeah, don't downplay it. If you it. lie about it that is like ultimate like that would that's ultimate betrayal yeah like that would make things 10 times worse than it already is you already you feel like you're already in deep waters by by being like you know in, in this addiction or whatever yeah you will make things far worse by um by like not just owning up to it and especially if she like if she already knows or thinks that you could be doing it or whatever like it's gonna come out eventually and it's, it is, it's yeah. better she heard, hears it from you um yeah do not like oh the thought of you know of someone lying about it that would just make things so much worse yeah 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 well babe we finally did it it's taken a long time for us to finally record an interview (laughs) but this was awesome thanks for coming on the podcast and sharing some of your heart some of your life and some of your wisdom appreciate you babe thanks for being on here oh thanks baby love you love you too all right well that was my darling wife Shaloma and uh, man, uh, so much fun doing that interview together. Uh, always appreciate it when you have a guest where you can just kind of laugh and have fun. And uh, to do to to have something like that with my wife uh, was was really special. So I hope I hope you guys enjoyed that too. 
and learned a couple of things along the way. Uh, maybe got some details clarified as well. And uh, and you probably learned a little bit more about me too. My wife has no problem spilling the beans on uh, on what I'm like off camera or off microphone in this case. So uh, anyway, uh, one thing I just wanted to remind you guys is, you know, if if at the end, you know, we're talking a little bit about if you haven't had that conversation with your wife, you haven't got help yet, you're struggling and you know you need to do something, this is your chance. And uh, one of the easiest ways for you to get started is to, you know, you're listening to this podcast, so well done. But we have a bunch of other resources that you should really get your hands on. And the place we always recommend people start is our book, The Last Relapse. That is our our blueprint for recovery. I spent over 10 grand on getting it done uh, properly. So this is not like some cheap, like I'm a book, I have a book and now I'm an author. Uh, We really invested in this resource and we give it away for free to our listeners of the podcast. All you have to do is go to thelastrelapsebook.com and you can get your copy there. There's a link in the show notes and that is my gift to you. That would be a good place to start. And if you're like, Sathya, I already have this. I've been getting your resources uh, here through the podcast as well. I need something more. Well, then you should really book a time with our team because uh, we'll be able to sit down with you, understand your situation better, and see if our programs are something that could actually help you. And if they are, then then we'd love to work with you. And if not, then we can redirect you elsewhere. Uh, but there's a link in the show notes for you to book a time with my team as well, if that's interesting to you. In the meantime, guys, thank you so much for listening. I wish you an incredible day, and we'll talk soon. Take care. Hey everybody, it's Sathya again. Thanks for listening to Unleash the Man Within. I wanted to take a quick moment to let you know about a free ebook that I wrote for you called The Ultimate Guide to Porn Recovery. It provides a basic framework for the recovery process and a few of my top tips completely free of charge. You can get it now at www.ultimaterecoveryguide.com. That's www.ultimaterecoveryguide.com. Now, if you've been impacted by the podcast and you want to show some support in less than 60 seconds, there are three ways you can do that. First, you can leave a rating or review on your podcast platform. This lets people like you know that the content here is valuable. Secondly, you can share this episode with someone in your life that might benefit from the content. If you're passionate about helping other people experience freedom and success in their lives, this is one of the easiest ways to do that. And lastly, you can subscribe. I personally only listen to the podcast that I subscribe to. If you're seeking daily encouragement, guidance, and insight in your recovery journey, I highly recommend subscribing to Unleash the Man Within. Thanks for listening. I look forward to connecting with you very, very soon. The information, opinions, and recommendations presented in this podcast by Sathya Sam and his guests are for general information only and should not be considered medical, clinical, or any other form of professional advice. Any reliance on the information provided is done at your own risk.